Hello, and welcome back to another episode of On Spec. I am your host, Ryan Barath. Well, once again, we were treated to a very exciting weekend of golf. You know, it's not very often that we can say week after week after week on the PGA Tour. It comes down to the finish, exciting players at the end. But you know what? We have been treated with that for months now and it's a lot of fun especially as a fan just solely as a fan it is very exciting to watch it's very entertaining to watch and we definitely got all of that today we had emotions we had highs and lows and we had a packed leaderboard we had all that stuff and we're going to talk about all of it in just a moment but before i do i have to remind you that on spec is brought to you by titleist and the all-new vokey sm8 wedges The thing that makes the SM8 wedges so unique is the fact that every single wedge gets checked for their grooves, making sure that they are right to the absolute limit of performance, as well as all of the grind options that you get, and finish options, including the all-new slate blue finish, which I know we just talked about on GolfWRX.com. It is a darker, deeper finish that is a lot more durable than some other finishes out there that might be of similar color. So remember, head over to Titleist.com for more information on the Titleist Vokey SM8 wedges and find out which grinds are going to work best for you. All right, so let's get into this week's tournament, the Players at TPC Sawgrass. And the final round had me just glued to my seat. I was, I'm not going to lie, I was all in on Westy, came in to Sunday with a lead, playing well, playing really, driving the ball extremely well, hitting greens, and the putter has also been working fairly efficiently. But, uh, you know, conditions were tough, and off the tee there were definitely some misses today that resulted in some shots being lost, which is unfortunate. But I think we saw that from a lot of players, including the fact that Bryson topped his three-wood, which just, I think, gave... You know, if you followed along on Twitter, I was you know following along, seeing what other people were saying. Uh, you can follow me along at RDS Brath, also the same prof, uh, same handle on Instagram as well. And it just seemed like everyone was like, "Oh, it's so relatable that he topped a shot." Yeah, well, the ball speed was like 156 or something on it, which uh, I don't think a lot of people are topping shots at 156 ball speed. But either way, it was still very entertaining, and he grinded out that. Uh, I mean, he I think it was the eagle on 16, which was extremely impressive as well. And the other thing too, and I think this came up last week, but it's something to keep in mind. And even Rory mentioned it. Rory did not play well this week. Talked about distance, talked about struggles with the driver, all kinds of stuff. But he, Bryson, he has a huge advantage when it comes to thicker rough with those shorter irons because of the speed that he creates. And it allows him to really get in and get out. And the fact as well as not just that, but the extra speed that he just creates through his golf swing makes getting through the rough a lot easier. And that is really the more impressive thing than just the driving because when it comes to the shots that he's able to hit, he can advance the ball a lot closer to the green. And when he does miss with the driver, he misses closer to the green. So it gives him that advantage. And the other thing too, and this this really gets overlooked, is the fact that when it comes to Bryson's game, his ball striking has been extremely good. Putter today wasn't great, but it's been way improved than it was a couple of years ago. But it's the ball striking that is undoubtedly a huge advantage because, first of all, he is closer on shots, which is, I mean, a benefit. 
but he is also able to create a lot of spin and flight the ball. I thought that was the most impressive thing last week at Bay Hill, and this week as well, the amount of spin that he could create to hold shots, and he was hitting shots high and low and left and right, and I think that that really gets overlooked. Everyone just wants to talk about the driver. Everyone wants to talk about how far it's going and all of those things, but his ball striking in general has been a massive strength for him, and you know, I'm not necessarily a proponent of one length for everybody. I mean, Bryson's been doing it for an extremely long time now, and he's really worked his way into this position. But I do believe for players that don't play that much, there really is a benefit to giving this a shot. For higher handicappers, for someone who's getting into the game, maybe you're getting into the game uh, at a later stage in life, or you have someone who is getting way back into the game and they might be older. This is something that I would highly encourage people to try, not because of Bryson, but because of the consistency level, or in what I've also tested in the past, which I think is a pretty cool idea, is having something that is one length in the longer irons, or maybe in a few of the longer irons, and then slowly going progressive into the shorter irons. Now, that does take away the advantage of the extra speed that you can create with those shorter irons if they are one length, but it's still gives you the option. I mean, you can do that, and Cobra offers uh, one-length wedges as well, which is something to keep in mind. So you have all of this kind of to think about. And I know when I've talked to Cobra in the past, one-length continues to be something that they've seen more and more pick up. For myself, this is something that I haven't actually experienced a lot of. I, I know I have come into a couple play, run into a couple players that are using it, but their data shows that people are giving this a try. And I have to remember that I only play with a select number of people, and I'm only playing in a few golf courses. So from the overall demographic side of things, they are selling them. So it's, I mean, I kind of joke when it comes to specific golf clubs or very specific targeted products where it's like, well, I don't see it, so I must not be doing very well. I'm like, well, you don't see that many Ferraris on the road, but they exist, and you know they seem to be fairly successful. So I don't really too worry too much about Ferrari or Cobra One Length because they are working for the players that are getting fit into them properly. And I do think that it has a a real value to those kind of players. But that's enough on One Length. That wasn't something that I really wanted to necessarily talk about, but it makes for interesting discussion because his ball striking has been extremely efficient. And it's just something to keep in mind because everyone's talking about the driver, but fewer and fewer people are actually talking about how good his ball striking and his putting has actually been. So just keep that in mind. Now, speaking of ball striking and driving, it was very disappointing to see Westy missed some shots today, to be completely honest. Um, especially a, get a couple of really big fades that were not like almost, I don't want to say on the planet, but he was able to find them and, and get up and down. He missed a couple drives left and hit a, a great shot on the back line there from the bunker and made birdie. Fairway bunker, that was like actually spectacular to watch. Uh, but overall, I don't think you can be disappointed by his performance. They were tough conditions out there today. Not a lot of people went under par very far at all. And he stuck around because, you know, that's not easy to do. You make a couple bogeys early and it kind of just goes away. But he grinded it out and it was exciting to watch. And I mean, two weeks in a row, if you're in the final group, that means you're playing well, which bodes very well for going into the Masters and the match play and a lot of the other events coming up. So it's something to keep in mind for Westwood, especially too, I think what's one of his struggles has always been his short game. 
and that's not a it's not something I'm pulling out of the hat. I think it's fairly uh, well known, as well as his putting. Everyone, you heard it on the on the the show today. The show. What am I talking about? The show. You saw it on the broadcast today. Everyone talks, you know, his putter once in a while, but he putted fairly consistently. I haven't looked at the stats, but I mean, from an, just a, a pure spectator point of view, was I nervous over some of them? Of course I was. Did he miss the one on 17? Yes, but we're talking about one of the last groups in the tournament. The green is getting firm. Hit a, a long putt, a little bit further past, outside of that comfort zone, and he missed it. But that's going to happen. It's just it's something that's going to happen when you're coming down the stretch and unfortunately, it just hadn't happened at the right time. But if you look back on Saturday, he made a bomb on 17 to give himself the two-shot lead going into Sunday. So you, you win some, you lose some. Still feel very confident about Westy's game right now, although I am very disappointed that he didn't win today. But, I mean, he won the race to Dubai last year. So that's, I mean, the guy is on a heater right now, and it's uh, it's very exciting to see him playing well and I think I think I saw Luke Donald or someone, you know, giving the old guys a chance, right? And it's it's very entertaining to watch, especially when we talk about how young so many players are on the PGA Tour. Now it's up to JT. JT was ripping long clubs today, hit some bla- like blistering drives, and then on 18 he hit that five wood, which gave him a wedge. This is a hole well over 400 yards. Hit a five wood. Which got a like a sick bounce, by the way. I know it. It was it was drawing a lot. Hit a hit a, a mound in the fairway that kind of kilted back towards the center of the fairway. So it hit, bounced right, stayed in the fairway, and then still rolled towards the water. I mean, there's not a lot of players are are going to take that shot on. And you know, I heard this. I can't remember who said it, but like you know, players are going to have this cone coned area where they're kind of looking to to hit their shots right. And I think this is something that which I'm going to touch on in just a moment, but. To be able to pick a target, know that you're going to miss right or left or have a specific shot shape, hit that shot very confidently. I think uh, 18 was the only green that he missed, and he missed it by inches today. So his ball striking was insane. He actually lost strokes putting. That was one of the things I think I do believe I saw in the broadcast. But overall, the guy won a ton of money, and he played really well to beat, I mean, beat the, a very, very strong field. I mean, some of the best players in the world didn't even make the cut, didn't even make it to the weekend. So that is uh, something to definitely keep in mind going forward because I'm, I know I'm always really excited for the match play. I always like the old format where it's like one done, but still the round robin creates some very exciting matchups, which is always very interesting. And then um, Honda Classic, tough, tough event. And then, you know, Masters in, I think someone said, 25 days as of today or yesterday. So that's very exciting to look forward to. Now let's talk about the dispersion. Now this wasn't something that I was really going to talk about off the bat. I got some other stuff I want to talk about when it comes to fans and bringing some fans into the sports and all kinds of stuff like that. But this is very important from a playing perspective. It's very important when we're talking about getting fit for equipment. It's very important when it comes to hitting shots because when you're on the golf course, in order to score well, you have to be able to understand your dispersion. And this is where fitting plays a huge part in making sure that you're dialed in your for your dispersion. And this this applies to people and golfers of all handicaps. Because if you are someone who misses right and left, you'll hear it all the time if you're listening to the telecast, oh, he's struggling with a two-way miss. That's deadly. You're not going to play very well if you're not confidently missing at least in one direction. That's why... Players like uh, Vijay Singh, everyone's just like, he'd always want to miss to the right. Or players always want to have a very specific miss in one direction or the other. For most players, that is a fade. What is it? Um, Faders eat filet, hookers eat hamburger. 
And the idea, and I can't, I, I want to say that was probably like a Trevino quote. I'm not really sure. We'll just, we'll give him credit for that one. But the idea is a fade, not so much to, it still does apply, but because the golf ball doesn't spin quite as much when you hit that higher fading shot versus the draw, though, you know, a lower draw shot, less dynamic loft is going to spin less anyways, but nonetheless. So when you hit this fade, it's going to generally go a little higher. It's going to spin a little bit more, and it's not going to roll out quite as far. Whereas when you hit a hook, hooking shot or a drawing shot, because you're coming into it with less loft, then it has less spin. It doesn't have top spin. It just has less backspin. Don't even get me started on that whole thing. And it's going to roll more. But if there's trouble on the left and you draw it too much, then it's going to roll out even further into trouble. Whereas when you fade it, it's going to generally stop sooner. Now, this is more of like the old school wisdom of golf, but it does apply. And it's, I mean, Colin Morikawa is a great example. He hits shots where he is, okay, generalization based on, you know, seeing him hit shots on the telecast and what they talk about and looking at his golf swing and all these other things. But he generally plays a fade. He, he hits his target, lets it fall to the right. Hits his target, lets it fall to the right. It doesn't mean that he can't hit a draw, but he prefers to play that shot. In a concession where he won, he showcased how good his ball striking was and where he missed and missed on the greens, missed to the fat part of the greens, and gave himself that opportunity. What a lot of players do when they're on the golf course is they don't think about where the next shot could miss because, and I'm I'm a, I'm so guilty of this because the whole like the course where I was a member last year, little nine hole course, the greens are not that big and the golf course is not that long. So the defense of the golf course is tiny greens and trees claustrophobic everywhere. It's uh, it's not something that I would consider to be very wide open. You don't have to hit a lot of drivers, but you have to hit your irons very well. And the funny thing is, because it's a golf course that is near where I grew up, I remember playing competitive golf against golfers that were members at this golf course. I worked at another golf course in the area, so I played at another golf course. But anytime I ran into these golfers that were members there, I'd always say their ball striking was really good. We're talking about junior players here. Like, man, he hits long irons pretty good. Or just seems like they're more accurate. And I could never, and I realized like where they remember at, and I'd never played this, I never played there because I just played golf where I worked because I was a kid, and that was just really easy to do it that way. And uh, what ended up happening was because I started playing golf at this other golf course, I realized that, first of all, you have to hit your irons really well because there's not a lot of place to miss one way or the other, and the greens are small. And even with that in mind, and all of the stuff that I am talking to you about right now, I can think of so many times where I made a poor decision on the first hole and the second hole, short par four. It's uh, it's a mid iron, a long iron off the tee, and a short iron into an elevated green that is not very big, and which means you're never left with a putt that's more than 25 feet if you just hit it in the middle. And there'd be a, a flag at the back or a flag at the front. And I would just, okay, oh, well, you know, I'm going to try and hit it this so it stops there. And then, you know, it comes up short in the bunker. Or it's at the back. I'll try and skip one in. It goes long. And you're like, what was I thinking? Like, just if you play to the middle of the green on something like this, you're giving yourself a better opportunity. And Lee Westwood said that this week for 17. Hit the green every single day. Today, he was further away than he obviously would have liked to have been. Three putted. But... He said, like, I just aim for the hump in the middle of the green every single time and give myself a chance. And with the green, the way it kind of has those little outlets, the pin yesterday and the pin today or Sunday, 
you see it would roll down. It would kind of feed down to those spots. And he just missed it, but he hit in the middle of the green. But unfortunately, he again, he three-butted. It's just it's breaking my heart to even mention it. But for players to go through that process when they're at their home golf course, you know, you, you get aggressive. You can think about where you're going to miss it. And a lot of times you're going to put yourself into trouble, and it's a decision-making process. This is where I know a lot – I've heard a lot of people say this before, and I do believe that this is true. Or we'll see this in, you know, Paris events where it's like uh, you have two people. They have to be of a certain handicap. Generally, it's going to be a lower handicap player and a higher handicap player. And the higher handicap player will, if it's best ball – not scramble, but just take the best score, or you just combine the two, then a lot of times the higher handicap will play much better than their handicap. And the question is always why? Well, the reason for this is they have the lower handicap golfer helping them with decisions around the golf course, acting like a caddy. And this means, okay, well, look, we're playing as a team here, lower handicap players maybe on the green or close to the green or just around it or whatever it happens to be. And they're, you're because you're playing for a score and you're talking to your partner like, well, where should I hit it? Just hit it in the middle of the green. Let's try and make your par or whatever it happens to be. And this is the same when it comes to going after long par fours or par fives. And I've talked to fitters about this and they talk a lot to players who are saying to them, like talking to other golfers, being like, look, we're going to fit you for a three wood. But we have to ask you, where do you really use your three wood? It's like, well, I use it uh, going in, like trying to get up into par fives or I'll use it off the tee on par fours. Or if you're a player on the lower end of the, of the swing speed spectrum, then it's I'm going to use it on longer par fours to try and approach the green. Okay, so you've got your objective. Now, if you're on the golf course and you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, I'm out of the rough and there's a bunker in front and I'm, I'm going to, I just want to try and get as close as possible, but I'm going to hit my, my three wood or three and um, four wood or whatever it happens to be, whatever your longest fairway wood is. Is that really the good decision? Is that the right decision to make? Because if you miss it, you're going to miss it really big. Or it's going to end up in the bunker. And then you're short-sided. Or you, you don't know where it's really going to go out of the rough because it's a, it's a bad lie. We saw Tyrell Hatton last week at Bay Hill try and hit a fairwood out of the rough and hit it like 40 yards. And best one of the best players in the world, right? So it's like something to keep in mind when we're, we're thinking about this, right? Whereas the fitter would ask, okay, well, you know, is you're not really going to hit that out of the 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 rough very often anyways right you're going to hit it off the hit it off the fairway you're going to try and put your put yourself set yourself up for an approach shot or you're going to hit it off the tee right and you go okay well that yeah that makes sense so why don't we try and get something where we can fly a little bit higher get you some extra carry or be able to stop it on a green we want to see that extra height so maybe that means going into a forward or lofting up a three wood then the player goes oh that actually makes sense so when the higher handicap player is playing with the lower handicap player they both hit drives that are fairly decent Low handicap player maybe hits first, puts it up near the green. The higher handicap player is like, oh, I'm going to go for it. But a three wood off the deck is probably not a, a very high percentage play. All of a sudden, lower handicap player steps in, caddy steps in, whatever you want to call it, says, okay, look, that could be a good option, but why don't we hit it to this spot here? Let's hit, find a comfortable yardage. At least you get your third on the green, two putt for a par, and we can move to the next hole. Like, oh, yeah, I guess that's true because, you know, we're trying to work together here, blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, the, the higher handicap player shoots under their score. And did, did they need the lower handicap player there to help with that decision process? Maybe. Maybe just talk themselves through it. But what this also does is it's an exercise for yourself when you're playing out there. And this is where when it comes to the fitting process, not only are you trying to help optimize, which means in most cases hit it higher to land it softer, 
but it also means to, if you're going to miss, you miss it in one direction. Either you miss right or you miss left based on your preferred shot shape. I would not fit somebody into a driver who generally fades the golf ball. I would try and reduce that as much as possible, but if they're going to miss, they're sometimes mostly going to miss to the right anyways because of their swing dynamics. That's just what's going to happen. But you can help with that and help eliminate the bigger miss to keep them more in play to help reduce that dispersion cone and the general circle that those shots are going to get up in. And you have to think about this because if you're out there and you're like, you know, I generally like to pit a fade, but I really want to work on a draw. Okay, well, maybe if you get a driver in your hands that helps you do that, but your miss can be that left or right, well, now you're probably not very confident in that golf club. That, that could be a problem. So it's one thing to really think about when you are looking at clubs or looking at getting dialed in. And, and I thought this was really funny, and I'll say it again. When I talked to Marty Jertsen from Ping, their vice president of fitting and performance, you know, we're, t- we're talking to the guy whose his whole goal is to help you play better golf. That's all he's trying to do. He's trying to work with all kinds of golfers of all skill levels to figure out ways to help golfers play better with their equipment. And he said, if you want to hit your 7-iron 10 yards further, hit an optimized 6-iron. It'll go just as high, it'll go that 10 yards further, and it will stop just as fast. Don't try and get something out of your equipment that is not going to help you. And that's really what I'm trying to explain when you either talk to a fitter about your dispersion patterns or what it is or when you are getting fit because the goal is to minimize those misses and that's what we've seen with someone like Bryson with how fast he swings the driver or the shot shapes that certain players hit. Westwood is known for generally playing a straight to like a slightly fading iron shot. You had uh, Morikawa plays a fade. Someone like JT hits that draw off the tee. It's, it's, it's really impressive. And Rory was always known as a more of a draw player, but a couple of years ago he went to that big fade. DJ, hey, was it Riviera? So Riviera, he didn't really play well on Sunday, didn't really play well on the weekend. But overall, I mean, he finished, he made the cut, he played on the weekend, but he wasn't like really up there. He was struggling with the driver. He was missing left. And he's just like, I, I was messing up with the driver, swing was up a little wonky, something was going on. And that was the miss, and you know, I really got it figured out. He, he think he said that earlier this week. I can't. I don't know where he finished. Anyways, but these players are hitting these shots because they're consistent, and it allows them to perform better. So when you are thinking your way around the golf course, think about that dispersion pattern. For myself, I prefer to play a fade. So I like to aim kind of to the left side of the, of the green, in case I hit it straight, and let it fade. Doesn't mean I can't try and hit a draw. But I like to see it fall left to right. Generally, I'm the same with a driver as well. I actually like that with most of my golf clubs. So, and with wedges, I like to try and hit like the spinning draw shots. Like, but anyways, that's enough about my golf game. So when you are looking at trying to tweak your equipment or alter your equipment or get fit for equipment, focus on the dispersion pattern and focus on the miss. We have some very exciting articles coming up. Uh, very soon from Golf WRX. Remember, this is a Golf WRX radio podcast. You can follow the show at OnSpecWRX on Instagram. And you can follow me along at RDSBrath on Twitter and Instagram. All kinds of pictures. I do the question and answer on, on Fridays on Instagram. And I generally use Twitter for all kinds of other stuff, posting articles that I've done or just kind of my thoughts or whatever it happens to be or fun stuff that I find. But you can ask questions there too. And generally, I'll sometimes I'll put out a, a feeler. But if you got a question, just fire it away. I'm happy to answer that um, either way. Uh, or a lot of times, you know, I'm just posting about pizza. Really into the pizza game. 
uh, at the moment. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Do you want me to go? No. You know what? You tell me. You you reach out to those channels there, and you tell me if you want more pizza content. But nonetheless, I'm going to stick to golf here. And so that was the one thing that I, I just really wanted to mention because I get the question a lot, and we have some exciting stuff coming out from Golf WRX. And when I talk to fitters, they're always trying to help minimize misses and help golfers get themselves into a better position and for higher handicaps that means hitting it straighter hopefully a little bit further as well but minimizing the really big miss because as soon as you start missing and adding up out of bound shots or penalty shots well that's going to really not help your score and if you can just bring people tighter in together or give them the confidence that they're going to miss in one direction then that overall is going to help them play better golf so Hopefully that was like educational. That was the whole goal is just to really focus as you are looking at towards the, the year or the season when you are either going for a gapping session or you're looking at out on the range if you're looking at shots. And, you know, you hear better players say this too, right? I took the swing that I had that day to the golf course. If it means I play a bit of a fade and all of a sudden I'm playing a draw today, don't try and work it out. I mean, you can if you really want to on the range before, but I don't suggest it. Some of the best players in the world just say, you know what? Hitting a little right to left today or left to right today, I kind of stuck with it. It felt it just that was my swing today, and I stuck with it. And it's one thing to consider when you go into a fit, trying to change something, get the equipment that's fitting you now, or work with your coach and do all kinds. Of, and that's where adjustable drivers are always very helpful. But uh, pay attention to golfwrx.com. We have some very exciting stuff coming out talking about drivers, fairways, and hybrids. I think is going to be very interesting for people to really fine tune the clubs that they're looking for this year. Okay, this is something that I know other people, and I've heard on a lot of other podcasts, but I want to mention it because this week at the Players, we had fans back. It was 20% capacity, I believe, was the final total. And it was very interesting to hear just people. You heard the bubba boobies, and you heard the, the I hate I hate all the yelling stuff, to be honest. Um, but nonetheless, they were there, and it was fun to hear cheers. Someone made a, a putt, you hear cheers. Someone missed a shot, you go, ooh. It's kind of, I mean, it, it adds to the ambience of listening to and watching golf. So overall, I want fans there. I, I mean, my, rec- my favorite tournament of the year, not talking about majors, by the way, is the Canadian Open. I love the Canadian Open. Two years in a row, it has been canceled. It was canceled last year. It was canceled this year. It would have been held at a great golf course, St. George's in Toronto. A stunning golf course that uh, last time it held the Canadian Open, Adam Hadwin finished low Canadian as like a rookie amateur or a rookie professional or still as an amateur at the time. Very impressive like for him. And uh, the course went through some renovations since then. They got new greens, um, just new bunkering. It, the course would have shown, like, shown so beautifully overall. I was very excited for the pros to go back and play it again, and because it's fairly close, I get to actually go, which I was very excited for this summer. But because of, obviously, COVID-19 and restrictions crossing the border and quarantine and all the other stuff, unfortunately, it was canceled. So that sucks. And when I say that, I mean, I do like fans. I want to be a fan that goes to a golf tournament. And what this comes down to is, how do we get people who play golf to watch golf? And that's an interesting thing, right? I mean, when we talk about golf as a sport or as an activity, however you want to phrase it, golf is one of the few sports that, first of all, someone can play through their entire life. And this is why I'm always trying to, like, I hate the idea of grow the game. I don't like, I don't, I like, why I hate, okay, 
we'll say what you, this, yeah, your personal opinion, right? But I, the hell, I want to grow the game. We're here to grow the game. We're doing this to grow the game. Do you think that a commercial where someone's talking about something, they're like, oh, this is a new product, you're going to grow the game. How is that growing the game? No, accessibility grows the freaking game, okay? Like being able to have affordable, accessible golf and time to go play golf. 2020 has going to, was crazy for golf. 2021 is already crazy for golf. And I'm talking to someone who has talked to people at golf stores, has talked to fitters, has talked to OEMs. They're trying everything they can to keep up with the demand for equipment. And I know that this year, one of the hardest things to get is not going to be equipment. It's going to be a tee time because there's more people working from home, more people with flexible schedules. They don't have to drive to the office. They don't have their commute. They have access to play the game. And with that in mind, how do we get more people that are interested in golf to watch golf? And this is not a new take at all. This The first time I heard this was from the, the guys at No Laying Up. And they brought it up, and it was something that I was curious, so I got into it. And that is the Drive to Survive F1 show on Netflix. This has nothing to do with golf, but the concept is here. Stick with me, all right? I had kept up to Formula One. I'm like, I know Lewis Hamilton is very popular. I'm like a fringe fan. So I know that he has won a lot of races. And I know that some of the tracks that they, they race at are very, very famous. And I know they race around the world. And I know some of the teams. And I would understand some of the racing. But I'm a purely a fringe fan. And the best way to describe that would be people that I know that tune into the Masters. They don't watch golf. They go and play golf. But they know the Masters comes in April. They always get very excited. And they'll watch the Masters. Or they'll watch the U.S. Open. They don't necessarily watch the British Open, but they just know that the Masters and the U.S. Open are big tournaments. They're very exciting, and I will watch that. The Masters because it's at Augusta National, and the U.S. Open because players shoot over par, and it's exciting to watch you know, professional golfers struggle. So you've got those fans. So when it comes to other sports, like, let's say, Formula One, auto racing, I, am, I would classify myself as a fringe fan. Same with tennis, actually. I would say that I, like, I would only watch major te- tennis tournaments very, very, like, easily, I only watch those tournaments. I, I stay up to date when they're on. I like to watch the action. I understand the courts because that's all I watch. I don't watch week-to-week tournaments, and I think a lot of people who are fringe golf fans only watch major championships, or they'll watch the players because it's a big event, or they'll watch the East Lake, they'll watch the Tour Championship. But even then, like, those are not uh, show or shows, tournaments that get ratings like the majors. And I'm sure the, pl- the the ratings for the players was very exciting or very high because you had players like Westwood who was well-loved and you had Bryson. And Bryson right now is drawing a lot of eyes. So where am I going with this? Why did I bring up F1? Well, it's because as a fringe fan of F1, I'd never really understood the, the true in and outs of the sport. And this show takes you behind the scenes. You get introduced to personalities. You get introduced to tracks around the circuit that they race in. You get to understand the points. You understand the teams. You understand the history of the teams. And all of a sudden, it's not about racing. You're watching something that is human interest. And to to use the best example is of someone who had zero interest in F1 racing would be my wife. Uh, for her, I put the show on. We were watching. I said, you really got to watch the show. It's really exciting. It's really cool. I know that you like engineering and you like the stuff that goes into making things work just like myself and I think you're going to find it very entertaining 
Plus, it's so cool to watch these cars go very, very fast and what actually goes into them and the amount of people that work behind the scenes and all of this stuff and time and these the true people stories that go into these things to end up at a race. And so we started watching it and we got really into the show. I know the next season is starting very soon. It's the end of this week or next week. And then the 2021 F1 season starts because it was just the testing. But how do I know that? Because after watching two seasons of the show, my wife, who was a very well, actually didn't even really understand F1 at all, is now talking to me about testing started this past week. And this is what they're doing. This is what's like this is what the teams have done. This is who's racing for who this year. This person's back. This person's on this team. And I'm like, you're like really in this. Like, this is fascinating stuff. This is really cool. And that is how you create fans, is by creating human interest stories and and telling people's backgrounds, right? And that's the one thing I think that uh, if I was going to criticize through it all, it's like they, it struggles with that background story. They like the stars. They talk about uh, you'll get Ricky on PGA Tour Live. You'll get uh, you'll get Rory. You get DJ. You get feature groups. These are great. And and I'm not saying that this is a bad thing because that's what people want to watch, right? And you're getting it a lot right now with Bryson, which I am not complaining about. People want to see it because they've seen a transformation. You've documented the transformation. You see what he's done. They're talking. They're showing you before and after and all these different things that went into it. And it has people excited to watch. It has people gearing to see what is next, whether it means... Like him winning the U.S. Open created even more doors for him as as a player and as ex- from exposure, right? And you've seen that from any number of players. Mike Weir went from a, a well-known golfer who was highly ranked at the time. He played very well for a long period of time, and uh, he won the Masters. And everyone everyone knew who Mike Weir was. He was the lefty. He was the lefty who won the Masters and the Canadian guy, right? And then you had players like Trevor Immelman, who won the Masters, or Danny Willett, or Charles Schwartzel. Everyone knows this guy. these players won the Masters. And this is not just talking about women, or, uh, men's golf, women's golf as well. Having players become showcases for their stories, right? Michelle Wee is obviously a prime example of, of a player whose story has been well documented. She won the, the Women's U.S. Open, and... Everyone know everyone's curious about what Michelle Wee will do because of her of her story. Everyone knew that she played on she played on the PGA Tour, and people get interested in that, right? And we saw that last last year, two years ago now, at the uh, Augusta Women's Amateur. You had Maria Fossey and Jennifer Cupcho. Everyone knows who those players are. Absolutely, everyone knows that. Like, if you pay attention to golf remotely most people will know who those players are because they were given a platform they were given a a really cool venue to play at and you got to hear their stories and that's what makes people tune in to like look at a leaderboard or you see it with the Corda sisters now because they have played a bunch or you see it with Lydia Ko or Brooke Henderson because she's Canadian and she's um, won a lot and she has the long driver and there's everybody has something that they can pay attention to but with the PGA Tour we don't get that as much with other players outside like who knows anything about brian Harmon? no and this is not an offense to brian Harmon. i mean obviously he's had a very long career on the pga tour but imagine getting some background information on brian Harmon. so week to week you tune in and you're like oh that's really cool it's like oh brian Harmon. i saw a thing on him about this blah 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 and you get this information and to me that is where 
we could really pick up way more casual fans by having more of these human interest stories that go into what we see week to week. And I'm not saying the product isn't good now. It's, it's, it's very, very entertaining. But when people ask, and I get this when I watch with my parents, my dad is a golf fan. Uh, my mom, uh, she'll watch it because it's on and she recognizes some of the players and she knows who I'm cheering for. She knows, she definitely knows who Bryson is now. She's like, man, he like, does he always putt like that? I'm like, yes, that's how he putts because it's like he's, first of all, like he just, he wasn't very good before and this is kind of his way to help him. And he's like, then she understands, right? Because first of all, it's on television, but, and because it's different. And when you get these backgrounds of people, it becomes more interesting. And even my daughter, who is like, she's, uh, she's like almost four years old. She know she literally know, like we were watching golf. She watched it last week. She kind of, she doesn't like sit there and watch it with me, but she knows that Lee Westwood's caddy was a girl, was his fiance. It's like, that's his, that's the girl caddy. And she knows that. I'm not saying she's sitting there for four hours to watch golf. That's not happening. But the fact that she's even recognizing it to know that, you know, there, first of all, there's representation out there from a caddy, but also when the LPGA tour is on, I put that on. Well, like I say, look, there are girls playing golf too, just like mommy plays golf. And that creates just an interest in it. It's just a little spark. And I'm not saying that it's going to work for every kid or every person, but being able to understand it and help explain it to me is something that golf could do so much better to bring fans in. We've already got people playing. We've got tons of people playing. And kind of the point I was trying to make from the start of this was the fact that, you know, because golf is something you can play your entire life, that, you know, people when, you, when you're younger you might not be watching it on TV, but when you're older, you know, there's, there's, there's a huge group of people, but you don't get that in other sports. You know, you could play competitive hockey when you're younger. Maybe you play like rec league or everyone calls it beer league hockey, right? But, you know, a lot of people don't play it anymore when they're older, but they still watch it. Think of how many people have never played football in their entire lives. And football is one of the biggest leagues in like the world. And then soccer as well. And soccer is a very accessible game as well. But football, let's get in North America, is very popular. And not a lot of people play it as adults, unless you're looking to hurt yourself. But golf, you can play it, and you can watch it at the same time. And it's the it's like, well, how do we bring the people that play it to watch it? And a lot of times it has to do to creating some interest behind the people that are playing it. And I think we could, you know, we could do a better job of that. And I think they do, they've done a better job of it recently, especially with certain players. But expand it. Bring it outside, right? Everyone, like, I think it was, I think it was a couple weeks ago, Bay Hill, Corey Connors was, again, up there very close. And it was like, uh, Bryson, the big hitting guy, and he's, he's driving it long. And look at his transformation. And he's got his one-length irons. Like, Lee Westwood, Englishman, couple-time PGA Tour winner, looking for that next big win. And it was Corey Connors, Canadian. It's like, that's all you got? That's all you got? That's all you got? You don't know where he's from? You don't know anything else really about him? Uh, like, good friends with Mackenzie Hughes. Like, for other, also another Canadian. Grew up in a small town. Like, there's all this information that's technically out there. But it's like, well, you know, we can't go too deep on everybody. It's like, well, just, you know, get a little bit more information out there, and I think you'll get a lot more interest. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show this week. A little different. I was really tuned in to golf this week, and that's why, because of the the fitting and a lot of big misses that we saw today, including Bryson's top shot, I wanted to mention, I really wanted to bring up that whole topic of being able to help people with dispersion and playing better. The whole show is always trying to help 
people play better and a way to think your way through the process. And for myself, it's something that I'm always trying to work on. And as I've said, I've sucked doing it many, many times. I don't do it very well all the time, but I try my best to do better. And because I don't play a lot of competitive golf, I try and hit a lot of stupid, uh, very risky shots that don't often work. But you know what? I kind of shake my head and go, whatever, it doesn't matter. But trying to do a little bit more of that, hopefully i got to get myself into that mindset and really think about it. And if you're out there playing with your friends and you're just trying to be your personal best, it's one thing to keep in mind is to really focus on those dispersion areas and where you're missing your shots. And that's where shot tracking apps and stuff like that can really help you as well. So that's something I'm not going to plug one, but I'm just going to say something to try out potentially. And you can take that information to your fitting or your gapping session and, you know, really try and fine tune your own clubs just the way they are to help yourself play better. And then on the other side of things, it's just, it's about golf. It's about being welcoming. We're getting into the season Book your tee times, get your memberships. I know they are not easy to find right now. I'm just dreading booking tee times uh, as soon as like courses open because I, I know there's a lot of people who want to play, which is very exciting, but it also means I have to compete with all those people to play golf. So I'm going to do my best to book early and uh, you know, fingers crossed I'll get lots of golf in this season. So I hope you enjoyed the show this week. I know it was different, but uh, we're going to keep rolling, rolling into next week. And as always, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.